What's up, people? Welcome to a brand new edition of Wrestle Update. I'm your host, Dylan Fox, and as always, I couldn't do it without without him. I need him in my life, and we all need him in all of our lives. Nella de Angelis, so good to have you back. Hey, what's up? Good to be back. Good to hear your voice. Good to chat. It's a good day. How Absolutely. Uh, man, I'm so hyped. Uh, we were talking off the air. I had a great Halloween. I uh, had a ton of fun there. Uh, holidays coming up all about all kinds of different holidays thanksgiving coming up christmas three kings day even uh i used to celebrate that one with my ex uh to be honest you got hanukkah kwanzaa so many holidays like uh i think even national chocolate eclair day is coming up as well (laughs) the the uh the exceptional holiday there chocolate eclair day (laughs) The one that really counts most, uh, I, I think we could all say uh, there. <laughs> but most importantly, we had a lot of wrestling, and this is the sequel. We had our episode last week. Your, your triumphant return, by the way, uh, for the show and both of our triumphant returns on Wrestle Update, where we were able to come in with this insane, unhinged, ridiculous draft that we had. That turned into a lot of fun, and we are going to utilize our rosters today. On this episode, we're, we've built our cards. You've assured me you've made your card, and I've made mine. <laughs> Before we get into it, because we will talk about Crown Jewel first and foremost. We're going to get to that to get to the real main events, which is our shows, of <laughs> course. Uh, how are you feeling about last week's draft as well as the show you've come up with as well? I'm feeling pretty good, honestly. Um, I I put it together Saturday night. And then yesterday I was like, hmm, I can change this a little. And then this morning I did just a couple more like, um, you know, flipping some matches around here and there. But it's pretty um, like it was very fun to form the card. You know, the the, the caveat or the, the disclaimer being, you know, my main goal was to incorporate every single roster member. Um, so that definitely means more multi-man matches at the sake of not having 40 matches on the card. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I used WrestleMania 36 as a template actually, because it had 16 matches on a single show. And I was like, well, this is what I'll use as a template. So what about you? How did, how, how was the challenge? It was challenging. I mean, when you look at my roster, the thing is we did the draft rules basically meant some people are going to be mismatched. You know, it's not always going to go together. Perfect. After all. Uh, so we we will go over that later. But I by the end of it, I'm very happy with my card. I want to see what you think of it. We're going to give our opinions on each other's card as well. I'm not just going to sit here and let you build up and hype up your matches and not say anything about it. I got to hype it up too. <laughs> or maybe I'll tear you down. I'm going to say, hey, what you what were you thinking? What about this guy? Uh, <laughs> but but no, you said you used everybody, <laughs> so it, it's fine. And I used everyone as well too. All women and all men were uh, very much accounted for. And uh, there's a lot of cool stuff coming out of that. Hopefully you guys enjoyed it. Uh, we got a couple of comments in the last episode, and both of them were positive as well. But no real winner, too. Uh, both people, they kind of said we won in different ways. Like, you know, I, I might have beat you in one way, and you might have beat me at one. If you, Because if you break it down between WWE, AEW, International, TNA, and all of that, uh, that's, uh, you know, it, like certain parts you could win at. Maybe you got a better rookie than I did, but I got a better champion. Maybe you had a better tag team 
so on and so forth. So we had a very evenly matched draft in significantly different styles. But I love that, that we both were able to put our own stamp on it. And we will see. I, your first pick, though, was a controversial pick with Shuna and Hiromu. Uh, you, you really went outside the box, but I like the creativity of it. You put them together. You weren't a slave to real-life teams. You did your thing. Dude, I just – the Saturday night when I'm putting the card together, I keep going over and over. I'm like, where the fuck are the astronauts, dude? And I'm like, oh. <laughs> see, you, that was the one. Somebody mentioned that. They said, why didn't he take the astronauts? Yep. With his team. Classic. But we all <sighs> we all wish we had the astronauts. If anything, my regret, I wish that I had picked Bianca, actually, with my roster. Uh, I think that would be my one change. I think you, you beat me on that one. Uh, you know, I mean, EO was good. And we'll see what I did with her on my card. And we'll see what she did on this show <laughs> that we're going to talk about as well. <laughs> but we do need to, to talk about a big show that happened this very week. WWE Crown Jewel from Riyadh, Saudi Arabia, from the Mohammed Abdo Arena here uh, for their crazy show where they get paid $50 million by the government uh, to do it, which they do once or twice a year. Did they do one earlier this year? Um, God, yeah, Logan Paul versus Reigns, right? That was last year. Around that was this last time. year? Yeah. Maybe that was the, let's see here. WWE Crown Jewel. This is our Let's correct look. research team right now. Yep. We put under. No, that was the last one, Logan Paul. Uh, so it looks like they're doing, unless they had a different name for it. But yeah, that was the last Crown Jewel. Okay. Remember back there was that one year they did the Royal Rumble where there was like fifty guys and they brought like a oh sumo wrestler God. out there. Greatest Royal Rumble. Yeah. That that was a rough one. <laughs> I will say this show is probably better than that. But overall, it's always kind of crazy to be in this weird place where the women have to wear different stuff. And it's always like a weird vibe to the show. But I will say uh, government and laws and bull, all that bullcrap aside, the actual fans there, they're always pretty hyped for these shows. Uh, they make it seem like a big deal. Uh, especially for the big matches as as well, I would say. Uh, they really show up for that, at least. Uh, the show started off with a main event in its own right. Uh, Seth Rollins versus Drew McIntyre defending the World Heavyweight title. Now, this had been kind of the main feud on the show. On SmackDown, you had the main event, obviously, but Roman's not always there. So this got the most TV time, really. And I thought they did a fantastic job telling the story of Drew McIntyre. He wasn't able to win the title in front of a crowd because of the pandemic. Uh, they went through that when he won it at WrestleMania. Nobody was there. It was the saddest WrestleMania ever and all that. And Seth was basically like, blah, blah, blah. Who cares about that? Uh, you know, listen, people had it harder than you. People had real problems. So you not winning the title in front of the crowd, who gives a crap? Uh, I thought it was a pretty strong response. from like Very reasonable positions for both men, <laughs> to be honest, going in. And you had the subplot of Judgment Day, which is obviously the biggest faction on Raw. Rhea Ripley had recruited both of these guys to join, and that was a big part of this match, was teasing would one of them turn heel and join Judgment Day. Uh, Rhea made passes at both of them, and she even blatantly told Seth, well, you didn't say no. 
at the end when he tried to be like, I don't want to be anything like Roman Reigns. Uh, so he started off here. Seth actually came out first. And they proceeded to have the highest rated match on cage match, 7.99 rating. Uh, and I agree with the inmates on this one. I thought this was the best match on the show. Uh, I thought they did a great job of getting the credit to it. Drew did this Ronaldo deal. If you are a soccer fan, uh, he did his taunt and the crowd really got into it. After he did that, at first they were singing Seth's song and all of that stuff. But after he did the Ronaldo pose, they started to kind of cheer for Drew more, actually. Uh, but they had a great hard-hitting match. Uh, they did some more tricks with Seth's back was a big part of the story when he slammed him on the, the ringside. Uh, when he hit the future shock, that was a big deal. And they basically had Seth playing possum, and that led to a bunch of counters. Both men kicked out of each other's big move. Uh, Drew kicked out of the stomp, which is a really big deal. And then Seth kicked out of the claymore. But in the end, Seth ended up doing one two, counter too many, hit the pedigree, and then the stomp. Uh, and I, I thought this was a really good match. I thought this was an upgrade over the Nakamura matches that we've seen thus far, as well as the Finn ones. Uh, here, I thought it was a really hard-hitting match. Drew was a great challenger, and I thought he really brought the best out of Seth here. What do you think? Yeah, um, you know, our our past complaints with Seth has been that he's such a athletic wrestler, but sometimes there's not much feeling, um, you know, in addition to the athleticism. I think Drew is such a hard-hitting uh, wrestler that he's really able to bring out that legitimacy, that realism, that feeling out of performers who may sometimes be more like visually showcasey. Um, you know, I thought that this was probably one of the more like straight up matches like with Balor. There was so much interference throughout that whole feud True. with Nakamura. There was a lot of gimmick uh, attached to it, you know? Um, so it was nice to see Seth just get to wrestle a straight up, sort of championship match um also just real quick to go back night of champions back in may was the last saudi arabia oh, show okay. and so yeah. that actually had seth winning the inaugural that's right championship. yep and then it was headlined by uh zayn and owens versus blood me and scott covered that show too on this very show and i still don't remember it <laughs> on here. but i do remember it now that you bring it up i remember that match but really good opener um like, I, I think that they're doing – it's very rare for WWE to, like, delicately transition a character. And I feel like they're doing that very well with Drew is having him, you know, not even as, like, a tweener with the audience, but more so just with himself. Like, he is in moral conflict and he is frustrated and rightfully so. Um, so I'm excited to see what happens with his character. I know his – or I've heard his contract comes up sometime soon, apparently. Um, so, you know, this I feel like this could be a very big defining character change or it could almost be like, you know, the sort of beginning of his way out. Um, but, yeah, good match. Good opener. Yeah, I could buy this. I had this as a star ratings. We always bring up our star ratings. Uh, I had this at three and three quarters. Ooh, I had it right underneath at three and a half. Always pretty close. Yeah, good, good. Uh, it would be insane if I was like, duh, <laughs> rating, uh, or something like that. We could argue about it. But there's nothing to argue. This was just a good match. Like, there was nothing. I don't think it elevated to be, like, 
you know, a match of the year or even a, a great match. Like we were talking off the air this past week, the Creed brothers had a hell of a run uh, uh, on their week, uh, both against the Alpha Academy and Garza and Carrillo in their Halloween brawl match that they had. Uh, it was really well done. Uh, but then you have this here. I thought it was just a really well done, good match. Like you said, the back was a part of it, but it wasn't as pronounced as the Nakamura feud, which is to a benefit because I think Seth really sucked at selling it as much as he could have and should have. Uh, and here it wasn't as big of a story. It was just a minor part, and I think it was more appropriate. And Drew's just awesome. Uh, he's got everything. And like I said, there was actually a cage match comment that actually mentioned this and brought this up that – you made a great point about his character where he's not this cartoony heel that's so you know so pronounced and obvious and things like that. He's more like a – everything he said has basically been justifiable, and the crowd hasn't turned on him at all, uh, like really even on Raw. Like he hasn't attempted. He came out high-fiving the fans. His heel tactics have been really more his mental game. You know, and like maybe not always helping people out because he hates Jay Uso so much. But even that, he comes across very sympathetic. So he's not a tried and true cartoony heel. He's a guy with layers, which I really appreciate that about him. And I think it kind of hurt Seth in this match because if you look at how he actually wrestled, it was more so he was leading it. He was more the heel in the match, not him doing heelist stuff, but just leading the match and trying to get the crowd behind Seth with the back, and that was a big point. But the crowd actually bought into him a little bit more. Um, I actually kind of wish they had changed the title, to be honest. I think there's a lot more with Drew than Seth. Uh, after the match, they did a tease of Damian Priest coming to cash in. <laughs> and this actually helped to uh, Seth winning. And he said, I'm going to take the title. I'm going to kick his ass and take the title. He looked at the camera and yelled at, and he was smiling. But then a man in a hoodie showed up to steal the briefcase, and it was Sami Zayn. The crowd went nuts. He was super over to the the Saudi Arabia crowd. Priest was was pissed. He couldn't cash in. I thought this part was really cheesy and not nearly as good as the match, but it worked. Like the crowd loves seeing Sami. Well, what did you think? Yeah, I didn't know Sammy was on the pre-show, um, so I thought this was like his surprise appearance. But now knowing that he had wrestled just before this, went to the back, put on yeah. the hoodie, <laughs> hid. It's just a very funny like train of thought. Um, but yeah, like again, I, I am just not a fan of Money in the Bank anymore. Yeah, I think it is so for whatever reason. Like I can't think of a last Money in the Bank person who was like booked strongly i feel like it just brings or like it attracts misfortune and total shit to whoever has the money in the bank briefcase sans brock lesnar um like it, it becomes a device to get beaten down multiple times you're always getting thwarted like how many times has damian priest attempted to cash in a briefcase and failed like dude and you want to convince me that you're capable of I don't know, paying taxes or something. We got to get this guy under watch and make sure he can do all this stuff. But um, yeah, like again, good way to, I don't know, you remove it as well from the Roman LA night thing. I don't even know if that's a fucking option for priest, but um, 
good way to get Sammy in front of the audience, but you know, a symptom of the fact that Sammy main evented the last one and they have really nothing for him here, which to me is again, like we talk about AEW and their issues with capitalizing um, on these acts sometimes and maintaining the, the heat. Right. And, and it's the yeah. same thing with this, like, you know, um, I totally agree. But and again, like just for Seth as well, with True not winning, I thought that would be it, um, especially on a show this big. But I do not know who takes the belt off Seth with the exception of Gunther. Like that's the only thing I could see happening is Gunther eventually drops the IC and then it's him versus Seth at Mania or or something. But there's just no one else on Raw that I could realistically see as champion. Oh, I totally agree. I actually think a great story would have been if Drew had won, he got his moment uh, and the crowd that gave him his huge reaction, his huge pop. And then he immediately got cashed in on and lost it. And like he had been built up that he had dreamed of being the champion again. Like he never got the chance he deserved and he finally got it only to get screwed over in the end. And that would actually kind of twist the storyline which has seen people think he's going to turn heel, but that would actually make him an even bigger baby face uh, to me. I think he's got a ton of upside in either or don't worry. Don't, don't get, don't get me wrong. But I think if you had done that, you built up and you put all of this heat on him getting the title and he finally did it only to finally get it yanked out. Then suddenly you've got a legitimate super hot baby face, which <laughs> helps like Seth is good with the song and everything. Cody, we'll talk about later, obviously super over and a great champion, uh, you know, but then you get a new heel in Priest, which I think is necessary, too, on Raw. I mean, like you said, who are the heels on Raw? It's Gunther and really nobody else is at his level. I think that would help Priest be more of a snarky person. And if anything, you could actually play it up with Ripley. Maybe you could have her like congratulate Drew to s- set up a sneak attack. Uh, I think they missed the opportunity with that. I think. They won't get a better opportunity with the fans rallying behind Drew than they had here. So I think it's a little bit of a drop ball. <laughs> like you said, it feels like we're a little bit on autopilot with Seth at this point uh, coming in here. Um, afterwards, Ripley, they show Drew backstage looking pissed that he lost. And Ripley like walked up to him and just laughed at him <laughs> pretty much. And he was like, fuck you, <laughs> like pretty much. Uh <laughs> What do you think they're going to go for Survivor Series? Because I think they have to have some kind of war games with Judgment Day versus Cody and friends. <laughs> Pretty much team. Yeah, Cody, Sammy, probably Jay. Jay. Who's uh, the fourth, though? Collins. I think. But they need five, right, for, for war games. That's what, okay. It makes me think that they're <laughs> going to do. They, they're totally going to put Ripley in Judgment Day. And then I imagine that. The, okay. the other side probably gets a Raquel or someone like that. Yeah. But okay. I would, you know what I would do? I would fucking debut Jade. That would give her a huge moment. Yeah, like the Jade last versus member. Rhea. Yeah. yeah. That she's a great person to match up with Ripley uh, as well. Like in terms of just powerhouse size. <laughs> yeah. What are we going to do? Put in Mishin again? Like, let's be real here. <laughs> you know, it's put like in, the, <laughs> hey, put put in Zia Lee, the enforcer of WWE, the one who knocks out <laughs> people most. No, uh, I, which, I sorry. It was a great angle on Raw, though. I thought they did a good job with her, to be honest. No, 
No, and like um, it, it's definitely I like a lot of the people on the roster. I think it's just in terms of the star power. Like it's very hard to match Ripley right now because as we're going to go into the next match and see like, yeah, you know, the majority of the raw women's roster is pretty much annexed from this war game spot yeah. here immediately. Well, you would think it would have to be Seth and Becky. Like Becky would be the fifth one. Cause I do think that's the end game of this title reign is that Becky versus Ripley is going to be the, the final match for her. Mm. Has Becky really been like messed with by judgment day at all though lately or in general? That's, I think they could do an angle. Let's say Seth gets the hell beat out of him. And like Becky runs out to stop him and save him, and mm-hmm. then Ripley destroys her too. I think you could easily set you could easily set this up because they have they have fucked with Seth, <laughs> so it's they have the relationship. Everybody knows it. You've got the star power. I like your idea too, but I think with Seth, you want Becky in a big match because then where would Becky be on the, sh- the pay per view as well? Um, I think that could be really good as well if they wanted to do it. If they want to put Ripley in, maybe they have some sort of plan for a fifth guy, and maybe they'll have Ripley as defend her title as well against somebody else. I don't know. We'll see what they set up on Raw. Maybe they will set something up. But I do think the War Games match is coming, and uh, hopefully they can make it a good one. Uh, go ahead. because And they gave Drew, too, a reason again. Even though he's kind of been uh, on the heel swing of things, they gave him another reason to fight Judgment Day if they wanted to, or they could have him join if you really wanted to as well. I was about to say you could have the switch happen mid-match. Yeah, that's a perfect idea, actually. Like, build up Drew fighting for Raw, but then turns on Seth in the match. And that, yeah, I could totally, totally buy that. Uh, or Jay, even. You mentioned it before. Let's talk about the next match, the women's title uh, on Raw. Rhea Ripley defending in a five-way match. Nia Jax, Shayna Baszler, Zoe Stark, and Raquel Rodriguez. Like you said, they put they put some effort into this match with all the attacks with Nia Jax as much as he sucks. Like they put effort into it. They had a big contract signing during the build where basically uh, Adam Pierce was kind of saying these five are out of control. We need extra security. These are the five baddest women in WWE. And that's kind of the whole point of this feud. <laughs> like all five of them were like, I'm the toughest one and the baddest and the most dangerous. And then somebody else would say, I'm actually the most dangerous and the baddest. <laughs> like that's what this match was unofficially about. And it turned out to be Ripley defending her title. Um, everybody got some moments, uh, did some big things. There's a part where Zoe Stark uh, flew in and did some, uh, her flying moves with the springboard to the outside. Then the springboard inside with the drop kick, uh, Raquel had some big power. Looked for the Tejana bomb on Nia Jax, which would have been awesome if she could have hit it, but, uh, she got away. Uh, Ripley was doing her big spots. Baszler got a chance to choke out some people here and there. Uh, we saw a little bit of teamwork with Shayna and Zoe. They kind of did that for a while. They kind of retconned it for this match. <laughs> but in the end, um, basically, uh, Baszler got not got beat down and was on the, the floor of the ring, right? She was on the ground. Rodriguez was on the ground. She crawled over to her to make a pin while Zoe and Ripley were on the top rope. Ripley hit the riptide on Zoe onto both Raquel and Shayna, and then pin Shayna for the win here. Um, 
I didn't think this was a great match. Uh, definitely a step down from the first part. And the inmates agree again. Uh, 6.02 rating, a pretty big drop off from the opener. There was moments of good stuff in there. I really like Zoe Stark. I think she is a great worker. Uh, somebody I love seeing wrestle and do big things. Uh, everybody has their positives. Again, Naya, she's kind of the lump you have to work around in the match. But I really like lump. Zoe. Yeah. <laughs> She kind of is, you know, uh, but Zoe uh, looked good. She was my favorite in the match, but Ripley got the win. And I think we all expected that. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, it's effective as making Ripley a monster. Um, other than that, I can't say this did much for anyone else in the division. Yeah, and true. with these multi-person matches, it's like how I don't take any of these four seriously. I mean, Nia Jax, absolutely. Um, but I, I just... Again, they they have the issue of Ripley becoming so big and having just no one to match her outside of, you know, an eventual Becky match or something. Um, so, yeah, I would I would really love to see them bring in Jade or someone else. Like, I mean, and the thing, too, is like, look at the people in this match and the history that Ripley, like especially Raquel and Shayna. Right. Like those were probably Ripley's two most like historically deep opponents yeah um dethroning Shayna, her dropping the belt to raquel like those are very um like canon event opponents and like none of that shit matters here yeah yeah they didn't bring that up at all (laughs) no (laughs) and it's it's just nothing matters it's it's a five person 10 minute match yeah uh you very inconsequential and again like when we look back on Rhea Ripley's reign so far since Wrestlemania everyone's like she had the best women's match at Wrestlemania ever with Charlotte Flair and I cannot name a single match she's had since (laughs) no I totally (laughs) agree and that's why I'm kind of against her you know when people talk about the women's wrestler of the year and all of that I don't think her year's been that great (laughs) like it's cool that she gets to beat up guys like on, on raw and gets to be the leader of a group. Pretty much. Um, it makes her seem bigger and she did have the match with Charlotte. I, I agree. But like you said, besides that, there's not a lot of meat on, on the bone for her year, unfortunately um, more so than just as a very over character, which is kind of a detriment to the group itself <laughs> because she's more over as a baby face. Yeah, and um, you know, uh, it's it's one of those things too where Ripley has been very effective and good in her position and with the things she's been given. Yeah, like she looked like a certifiable monster in this, right? Yep. And it's it's hard, it's unfortunate to criticize because all of the failings are pretty much on the creative side and the booking yeah, side, and absolutely no consistency. It's like you know, she almost feels like the mom of Raw. And I'm just like, I, <laughs> Mommy. I either, yeah, it's, it's very MJF again, where I'm like, are you the champion or aren't you? Um, so, but Hey, I liked this more than the next match. I will say that. Uh, well, that that's true. Like you said, ultimately nobody really gained a lot from it. Uh, it was nice of them to get a big payday as a match though. There was nothing special about it. Uh, what was your star rating on this? I'd give it like a gracious two. I had it at two and a half. I thought it was perfectly average. Uh, I wouldn't go neither up or down, but, but uh, ahead of that. 
and I would put it ahead in the next match as well, as we saw <laughs> Solo Sokoa take on John Cena in this 16-minute match that we had on here. Now, look, I really like the promo, the segment they had on SmackDown, where Cena had great selling of the, the spike that Solo hit the week prior, where his voice was messed up, he messed up his voice box, and he still buried Solo on the mic. He basically said... You know, you suck in the ring. You're not a draw. And you need to wrap that thumb up real tight because it's going up your ass tomorrow. Uh, And I was like, okay, that's a good promo. This match was so slow, though, that it really took away from it. And I kind of liked Cena in the match doing some different things, trying, trying to go to the top a little bit. He's trying to add some stuff to his arsenal to make it seem not lazy, at least. But... There just was nothing there, really, outside of him trying to work the thumb and stop him with the hand. And in Dude. the end, it was it was yeah. No, no, sorry, I interrupted. No, I was just gonna say it was in the end, it was boring and inconsequential because the finish. I thought the finish was awesome. Uh, he just did, just wrecked Cena completely, hit eleven spikes. I counted them to the neck, took his ass out, and left him laying. I thought that was a great finish. I just wish that 10 minutes of this match had been chopped off, and I think I'd be really positive about this. <laughs> so six minute and 10 second yes, match? <laughs> exactly. That's about how long uh, it's needed to go. This is one of those ones where if I had not watched it live and then someone texts me and they're like, hey, just so you know, um, Solo Sokoa and John Cena is a near 17 minute match. I should. It's not near 17 minutes. A 16 minute match where Cena works over his thumb. I'd be like, are you fucking kidding me? Uh, this is such a weird match. So weird. Like it, it reminded me obviously of like Cena and Umaga and kind of like that new, uh, big monster heel. Right. Um, and this time though, you know, Cena doesn't go over and it, it's very strange in that I felt like Cena gave a hundred more percent here than he did in the theory match. Oh, but absolutely. It, it made yeah. no difference to me. Like both yeah. are so forgettable. And I think that this was for me, like very much the, um, God, what, what, how's this saying? Like, you know, solo Sokoa without the rose tinted lenses. Right. Um, I did not think that he held his own here. I think that Cena absolutely worked his ass off. And like, yeah. For me, the Samoan spike is a very, very pro wrestling move. That's in the sense of, and not like a fucking, you know, uh, pump handle, flip, turn around, vertebraker, like I'm combining seven moves into one. It's just like a WMD where I'm like, why don't you just do this? I mean, he he did it over and over and over, right? But I'm like, it doesn't look good. It doesn't feel believable. And I think that that's one of my issues in general with it. Um it's just a very subpar move. So having it be all centered around that and having seen it get demolished by it, this felt so cartoony to me. Um, Don't you think it would have worked better if they had like, they should have sold this a little bit more because basically he just got up and walked out. They should have had him stretchered out to me or, or something like that. Like, okay, Cena has been destroyed. This spike is so dangerous that it's that he can't, you know, he's dead basically because of this. And will we ever see Cena in the ring? Is this how it'll end? 
but instead he just walked out <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. And so it wasn't um, even again, that devastating, even with 11 of them. No, exactly. And the thing is that they'll sell it like it was right. Solo Sokoa destroyed John Cena, but we saw that they're la- they had a complete lack of follow up in that sense. So, yeah, I mean, this was probably my le- this was my least favorite match on the show. And again, it's unfortunate because it's um, it's really weird because I feel like Cena gave a great performance here and. And again, that's probably in com- that's mostly in comparison to his recent work, which I think of like, you know, Reigns and Theory and there's not a lot there. But yeah, yeah, it seems like he tried to actually put Solo over and it just did not work. I think the, the heart, the, their heart was in the right place all around. I really think the long match drug it down and hurt them and it kind of killed the crowd in, in a lot of ways. Um this will make an epic video package, though. They're going to switch stuff around and make it seem a lot cooler <laughs> than it actually was. And he did get the, you know, the round of applause at the end. Uh, the, you know, the crowd was really into him. They gave him his respect or whatever. And then he just walked off, like I said. Uh, then we got <laughs> – now, still, whatever you want to say about – what was your star rating for that match? One. I would give it <laughs> – I will give it a two because I like the idea of the finish. It's below average, but I wouldn't say offensively bad. For me, it's one of those things where if I if I feel like goddamn, I I skip this. Yeah, not even skipping, but I'm upset that I spent part of my life on it. Right? I mean, you're gonna like, die one day, and you are gonna <laughs> think about this 16 minutes. You're thinking. What if I had 16 more minutes to live? Looking at whatever friends or family I may have for my deathbed, and I say, if only I didn't watch Solo, Sokoa, <laughs> and John Cena, we could probably squeeze in Yuji Nagata and Kensuke Sasaki. <laughs> well, that would have been a way better than watching anything on this show. <laughs> but when you think about it that way, really, Solo, Sokoa, versus John Cena ruined your life. You're yeah. never going to be able to recover this. Yeah, <laughs> this, I mean, without trying to be dramatic, it definitely, definitely ruined my life. I mean, that's not dramatic at all. Totally believable. <laughs> uh, but still, even still, that was a million stars better than what we got next. This ruined my life. Biz TV. Oh, my God. I forgot about this. Now, you tell me this wasn't worse than the the solo and and Cena Dude, they made this fucking Ibrahim guy look like such a geek. I thought that was so funny. He's like the Saudi Arabia's biggest movie star. He just got, like, kicked in the tummy. Yeah. (laughs) That was funny. Honestly, this segment picked up when Grayson came out. Yeah, and it was just – I mean, I think Grayson is great. Miz is – Miz is, like – if you like all of his segments, it, it feels like the um, like if he came out and just put a boot in the ring and licked it, I feel like you would get the same effect. The, he never does anything of consequence. It's always the same <laughs> shit. I made a vent in WrestleMania. I'm a world heavyweight champion. It's like, I don't know, man. Uh, everyone criticizes it. I don't need to go on, on a yeah. rant about it. But sure. Grayson Waller came out and. It was just very performative. It, the pacing was very off, you know. And the, you knew where this all was headed as soon as he came out. That the yeah. the guy was going to attack him at the end and get 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 his comeuppance. I and it's like, like, 
just real quick, sorry, but yeah. Waller's whole long walk to the ring too. I will say the uh, maybe the only thing I liked about this was them just changing the set when Waller asked. I thought was kind of funny, like them bringing yeah, shit in. That was. Um, but yeah, I mean, like this. I mean, I feel like we're not really talking about, like, you know, the, the sports washing aspect of these Saudi shows, right? Well, this, this is what I'm very <laughs> yes. talk about. It. <laughs> this was the most overt, explicit, um, you know, like incorporation of Saudi Arabian talent and culture outside of the WWE. And, um, you know, after watching Nganu versus Fury, which uh, I thought was a remarkable fucking event. Um, that was nuts. It, yeah, that was I thought that was one of my favorite fights of the year. I thought it was real life yeah. Rocky and, and Ganu's yeah. so much more than that as well. But um, you see the scale of these events and Riyadh season and all of the tourist stuff. And it's very interesting because we're getting to a point again, you know, in civilization and history that the West is not the most spectacular place right That's and it's true, sort of point. built upon the fact that we own spectacle we own entertainment and i think that in the past month saudi arabia Riyadh, you know has absolutely outclassed us in every way and and it this comes at what cost many horrific ones right from yeah, you know, yeah. this all began with the murdering of uh, <laughs> the journalist jamal khashoggi right yeah, and yeah. it's it, it and it, it has been very forgotten and, you know, we've come from we've come from WWE being the like ultra USA. We have we have uh, neutralized Osama bin Laden company to now Vince McMahon going to the Riyadh in Ghanu fight and saying that Saudi Arabia is now his home. Right. And it's like those things. And um I don't know. These shows, though, are and they're very effective because I will say, like, when you watch these shows, they really make you forget about shit, man. Like, because they it's over the top. I mean, it's yeah. really up there. And again, like bringing in this star to to circle back, it's you can really feel the ways that they're able to normalize these <laughs> numerous human rights abuses. And I say oh, yeah. this completely recognizing how this ripples across the world and right. in, in many countries, including our own, you know, sure. um, but it's just, we're so far into it now that they have succeeded in normalizing it. Um, you know, I don't feel as is conflicted watching these shows anymore because now they just sort of exist, right? We've sort of just arrived at this point and, you know, at this stage in history, it's all consumption and this is something I've consumed. It's a tragic thing when you think about it in the grand scheme of thing, uh, things. But what you said is so true. Even people on the roster who years ago wouldn't go on these shows, like Sami Zayn, uh, he's on these shows now on here after boycotting them for years. Uh, you see people, like you said, WWE used to be an outlier. Now they have golf. They've got soccer. They mentioned Ronaldo was playing for some Saudi team. Uh, and they're doing these crazy things and horrible things. <laughs> and like you said, you can't point the finger at one particular government when pretty much all of them have done horrific and terrible things, including the U.S. Uh, you know, here. So I'm not trying to be like patriotic or anything like that at all. <laughs> but you have to also acknowledge that these things did happen. Like the murder of Jamal Khashoggi uh, was a, a horrific thing that happened. And like you said, unfortunately – 
I, even Ari Emanuel, at first he turned down a huge, <laughs> yeah. yeah, a huge amount of money specifically for that reason. And now after this TKO thing, it's just like, oh well, I don't know why I didn't do it before, but we're, we're, yeah, he's we're like. Now. He's like, I never said I wouldn't. I just <laughs> thought that the climate back then, I'm like, you fucker, dude. Like, it's all money. And yeah, Exactly. I like, think that's the sad part. What it really feels like, to put it in wrestling terms, right? If WWE is Cody Rhodes, Saudi Arabia is WWE, right? Cody's whole thing was, I'm AEW. I'm the difference. I'm the alternative. And then he's like, you know what? I'm going to go. <laughs> I'm going to go there. And then it's like his entire persona that he's built up is kind of all for nothing right? right and um i don't know it just feels like that to me where again it's it's just one of those things that truly exposes the how everything's bullshit but yeah and, and i mean this was the worst case of it they had like these commercials too for like the airline or something oh my god yep 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 so not only that they're also just blatantly marketing on, on top of it in addition to the sports watching aspect as you mentioned and listen to the commentators uh, during the segment. They were like, oh, yeah, like it was freaking Ibrahim Al-Hajjaj. And it's like, you assholes have not seen one movie of this guy's ever. What, like, yeah, like, tell oh, me your he's... three favorite movies right now, yeah. Corey Graves. Uh, it was uh, Wade Barrett and Cole on commentary. But still, they were like, oh, he's hilarious. <laughs> this guy's amazing. The best actor in all of the Middle East. Dude, okay, and, uh, speaking real quick, random, random, but Byron Saxton was ring announcing. Yeah, that's true. He, hey, he had a strong voice for it, too. He might have missed his calling as a ring announcer. Yeah, I just, I thought that was interesting. No Samantha Irving, right? And then the, the Mike Rome, the other guy. But um, it just, if this was any other show, I, I wouldn't really think about it twice because I, I just yeah. don't, I wouldn't care enough but i think obviously yeah, yeah. with it being the show in Riyadh, i'm curious um what the reasoning for it was right to not have them on the show whether it's sickness or you know political aligning whatever yeah, it yeah. may be but um I, I can't remember another show where they've done that and it was it was just very strange so yeah <laughs> it like, was weird imagine a fucking aew kicking off and alex marvez is doing the announcing <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but like you said, I'm sure there's reasons behind it that probably won't get spoken about publicly. Um, but yeah, the segment, it dragged on forever. Um, Grayson was pretty funny uh, on his thing. It ended with him doing the people's elbow. <laughs> like It was super cheesy and stupid and bad uh, overall. But regardless, uh, the live crowd loved it. You think about it too. Even we gotta remember. Never mind moral, whatever. If you're on this roster, some of these guys were there when they were nearly held hostage before they were able to come back to America, and they've come back again anyway. Where where they wouldn't let their plane leave. Yeah, uh, they I, they went from being stuck on the plane to running ads for them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's right. That's a good point uh, there. But anyway, someone I can guarantee you didn't put two thoughts into any moral uh, problems. Logan Paul comes out. Um, this all started with Logan Paul saying how great Dominic was and that he wanted to beat his dad for the U.S. title. Uh, Ray accepted. 
and they attacked, and they did their little press conference, and they did a boxing-style deal where Ray ended up hitting him in the head with a microphone. Logan Paul came in. They showed this video of him driving this freaking uh, dune buggy or something through the desert. Uh, yeah, let's see what Logan Paul was doing earlier today. <laughs> Just like uh, so un- unauthentic, like uh, everything about it. Uh, and he drove it. He drove the thing into the arena. Uh, so I guess he's like getting to be a badass <laughs> type of entrance here. I don't know. Uh, Match was all right. Uh, to me, I didn't think this was a great match. This is another one I thought went too long. Uh, there was some good. There was some bad. But let me tell you something. I saw all over the place this clip where Ray went for an Asai moonsault and Logan, uh, and Logan saved them pretty much. And everyone was like, oh, Logan Paul, say what you want about it. But he saved his life. This was an amazing wrestler instinct from Logan Paul. <laughs> like, you can't teach this. The problem with this is he was the one that was too far away. That If he had been in the proper position, he wouldn't have needed to rush up to save him in the first place. So can we please stop kissing his ass? I mean, I get it. He's, he's very good. <laughs> like, he's a great athlete. <laughs> like, especially for a guy who's not a wrestler. All of his performances have been strong. And as a, as a douchey heel, you just can't teach what he has. Like, he is a natural heel in the way very few are. But now we're just, like, making up stuff pretty much. Like, oh, he saved his life. What an amazing – like, it was his fault in the first place. <laughs> if he had stood <laughs> in the right place and not been out of position, it would have been fine. Um, anyway, a fine match. You saw some high-flying stuff early on. Logan Paul got the show off. Ray did some things. In the end, you had the stupid finish. They had uh, his freaking crony that he, we saw at SummerSlam come in with the brass knucks. And then suddenly uh, the Nux got knocked out of the ring and he was going to go grab him. But Santos Escobar jumped in and stepped on the brass Nux. And then what do you do when you have a weapon of your mortal enemy and you need to chase after another enemy? You obviously leave the brass Nux right in front of Logan Paul for him to pick up as you run away and chase after the other guy. What an idiot. Like stupid baby face here. <laughs> like coming in, ruin the match, stupid finish. In the end, uh, another thing, too, Ray hit the 619, and Logan just popped up and hit him with the brass knucks, won the match. Admittedly, this was a lot better done than the uh, Samoa Joe and MJF deal, where it dro- he dropped it right in front of the referee after the match. Uh, here, he at least worked to hide it. The finish sucked, and the match was only okay. I didn't think this was special. What about you? Man, okay, I- I'll be totally honest. I had a friend call me during this match, and I watched it. And I liked the first half, like not lying. I thought that they got off to a really good start. And And they were working in the Lucha style, too, that Logan, to his credit, again, uh, did acclimate himself well to, I guess, right? Yes. And I really thought that at first I was like, man, I feel like Logan is trying to do Halloween Havoc, like Ray and Eddie, almost a little bit like that immediate hot start. And then I think the match just went too long. But I definitely liked the beginning. And the reason I gave the disclaimer for being on the phone is I feel like when you're just watching it, like with the sound off and you're just seeing that stuff, it's like, oh, wow, wow, wow. Right. Um, 
But then it just kept going. Like you said, um, the, the whole Logan Paul fucking rando prime guy thing. I still Stupid. don't know who it is. <laughs> yeah. They've never yeah, said it's... who this was. He's never been mentioned on TV. He's not, he's not cut a promo. They don't even talk about it. Like they haven't even named him. Who is this asshole? Dude, I have no clue. At I least with no KSI, clue. he had a like he had an alliance with, with him. Who's this? Like nobody knows who the hell this is. Should we do like, an episode where we try to uncover who this is? You know, I've read books about being a PI in the past, and I think rather than solve crimes or you know help you know people out, I think I need to use those skills to find out who Logan Paul's goon is that he keeps bringing and ruining all his matches. <laughs> But the worst was Santos. Like, why did he? Why didn't he just take the the knucks? Like, why did he leave him right in the ring? Crazy. Uh, what what was your star rating for this? I gave it a honestly. Don't hate me. Three and a quarter. I gave it two and three quarters. So we're a little bit different. If the finish had been better, I probably would have gone up to closer to your range. But I thought the finish was so stupid. Like, why did he leave it there? And where we saw this already. The, uh, one thing I do have to praise him on, <laughs> I do agree with you. The first part with the Lucha stuff was well done. And they're really hyping him up as like this. Like Wonderkind almost like he's a, he's now a wrestling genius. Like, you know, he watches a million hours of wrestling tape <laughs> to get ready for his matches, <laughs> you know, because they brought it up when he was doing the Ultimate Warrior stuff. <laughs> um, he did call back to Eddie Guerrero. Uh, two on the frog splash attempt. So they're really trying to get add a little bit of layers to his wrestling character, other than just him being him. Uh, and I do appreciate that. And I loved after the match when it, <laughs> he got the title and Ray was in the corner slumped over after the brass knuck shot. And he like, he gave him a hug and was like, I love you, man. You're a legend. I just, I just had to win. And Ray was like, you cheated. You know what you did. <laughs> and Logan Paul was like, I don't know what you're talking about, man. I won fair and square, but I love the <laughs> legend. That was awesome. <laughs> I even, even I can't deny it. That was great. Yeah. Um, for the hardcores out there, it reminded me a lot of uh, Big F and Joe's post CZW Tournament of Death 20 uh, speech with Mickey yeah. Knuckles. It's just one of those really like, you know, pro wrestling moments that you just really hope for as a fan. <laughs> what do you think of Logan as the champ? Like, like what what are they going to do with him with this? I mean, dude, it seems like he has a genuine interest in this stuff. And yeah. um, I, I don't know. It will be interesting to see if this becomes <laughs> imagine SmackDown. Just no one ever defends their fucking titles. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's another guy with Roman on SmackDown. There are no champions on the show. I mean, at this point, though, I, I really feel like Logan is gonna go more full-time i think that's what my gut says with the i US got that title. vibe too actually yeah i mean he just finished that um god who did he just fight not tommy fury dylan dennis yeah oh my god that fucking fight he just Which fought was a that farce, guy. by the way it's stupid ending yeah. to that even in non-wrestling since he can't ha- help but have stupid finishes <laughs> to his fights <laughs> yep and now jake paul what just finished tommy fury and now it looks like he i mean he's signed to pfl so I think they're talking about Nate Diaz and uh, Jake Paul and PFL. So I feel like with the Paul brothers, like boxing thing kind of fizzling out or slowly, right. Dying maybe rapidly. Um, I think we could see Jake go into PFL and Logan go into WWE full time 
more so rather than having boxing being their focus. Um, yeah. And he did bring up Dylan Dennis in his promo on Raw a couple weeks ago where he was like, we'll never see him again. <laughs> I beat him so bad. He got dropped. He can't show his face. And he's a piece, yeah, he's a piece of trash and, and blah, blah, blah. Although d- there was a lot of hype into that fight with Dylan Dennis mentioning his fiance in many, many interesting ways. <laughs> uh, that probably won't get brought up in wrestling again, again when he's on there. But I kind of got the same vibe as you. I think he's going to be around a lot more now that he's a champion, uh, at least for the next. I'm not saying for the next 10 years or anything, but for the next couple of months, I think this will be a real run for him. And if you look at Roman being gone, Seth is really up in the air. Will he be in the cage match uh, at War Games or will he have his own title shot for SmackDown? I think his title shots are going to be the de facto main events you know, once until we get to Royal Rumble. Oh, yeah. Who do you th- okay? Who do you think Roman defends against at Rumble? Orton. That would be the best possible way to get a huge pop as <laughs> somebody that could defend wrestling against this outside asshole. I think right away. Oh no, no, sorry, I was talking about Roman, not Logan. Roman's defense at the Royal Rumble. Oh yeah. I can't think of who the fuck is going to do it, and they talked about Orton returning soon. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that like, the, after the main event. Uh, I'll have okay, more okay. to say about that. But with Logan, I think they'll move to Santos in the short term. Ah, uh, I could see that being the Survivor Series match. I should be honest. I actually think if they need five guys for the War Games, he wouldn't be the worst option. He already has an allegiance with Dominic. If they wanted to put Logan into the War Games, and he would probably be, want to do something like that as well. He'll, you know, he could jump off the top of the cage or do crazy stuff like that. It wouldn't be the worst idea to pair him with Judgment Day for the cage match, and maybe you could have KO, like who's aligned with Sammy. They could do an interpromotional or like an inter-show match rather, uh, with KO on the good guy side and Logan on Judgment Day side to bring it up to five. I think that would work perfectly. Owens would be a good shot for him too uh, to move forward in the long term. I think he might be a Rumble guy. Oh, yeah. Owens is on SmackDown now. That's right. Yeah, because they did the story with Jay trading over. Yeah. Uh, So that's what I think. I think I think that's a good idea. If you need five guys for the war games, put Logan into it uh, since he's already got an allegiance with Judgment Day. Uh, The next match was the women's title match as well here. Uh, But, yeah, we talked about Logan Paul enough. Uh, Basically, they set this up. Bianca Belair. Belair destroyed Bailey on uh, the night before on SmackDown, <laughs> beat her in the match, put her through the table. And here she challenged EO Sky for the SmackDown women's title. The match uh, was really well done. The problem is that people are going to compare it to the Puerto Rico match. And that match was a lot better, uh, to, to be honest. And the crowd was like nuclear in that match. And this was like. I thought this was like the down point of the show in terms of crowd interest. Uh, pretty much, they just didn't care at all, really, about this match. And even the big return, I wish that we had done this in front of a hotter crowd because I think you would have gotten a way better reaction uh, with how it played out. But I thought the wrestling was actually really good uh, between them. They have good chemistry together. It just didn't it didn't connect, and it all led to the finish. Bianca went after Bailey. <sighs> beat her down on the outside as she always does. And then suddenly uh, somebody, another hoodie came in much like Sami Zayn earlier. Somebody with a hoodie came in 
attacked Bianca, and they revealed that it was Kyrie Sane back in WWE, and she looks absolutely nothing like she did when she left uh, with this insane haircut. She was wearing a Power Rangers suit that these women wear. Hey, can we praise EO's look here? Dude, the camo pants, so yeah. badass. Yeah, absolutely. I was just about to say her and Kyrie really cool at the end. Yeah, EO's stuff is like as good, if not better, than her normal gear <laughs> here. Like, I thought she looked awesome in it. Uh, really cool design with the pants and the the top that she had. It was really good. Um, so, yeah, in the end, Kyrie uh, helped out. They looked like uh, Bianca was going to go down, but she leaped, leapt into the ring at the nine count. EO immediately hit the moonsault for the win. Uh, Kyrie came in, raised her hand. They beat the hell out of Bianca. We see the insane elbow again, and uh, EO's the champ at Bailey. Looks very unhappy about this development. And even during the match, when Bailey came out, EO was like, What are you doing out here? I didn't want you here. And Bailey was like, You have to trust me. You have to trust me. And then after the match, EO and Kyrie were super close. And Bailey was like, What the hell is this? On the outside. Yeah, I, I this. I would give this one three and a quarter as well. Um, I liked it or maybe even three and a half. Honestly, I, I like EO. I love Bianca. I thought they make, I mean, they make a good pairing. Definitely suffered from the crowd reaction. As you said, uh, I really liked how Cole, like I thought that out of all of the matches on the show, this one actually feels like it made narrative progression. Like True. even Logan Paul at Rey Mysterio it hits a wall in the sense of like, okay, what next? We have no idea, right? Um, and Eo Sky and Bianca, it's like this set up a lot. And what I really, really appreciated was Cole at the end. You know, the last time we saw Kyrie Sane is when she was taken out, or was you know she was taken out by Bailey or something like that. True. So bringing that back to her as well, and you know, who is Eo going to trust? Her longtime friend or Bailey, who brought her back in to the fold, really, right? Um, so I, I'm really excited. I think that doing an EO and Kyrie versus Bianca and Bailey would be fucking awesome. Ky- Kyrie versus Bailey would be awesome. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, this, in terms of like looking forward, this was the most positive match in that sense. I agree with that entirely, but there's a major issue with all of this, in my opinion. We need. We need to get some kind of explanation in terms of Kyrie and Oscar that needs to be explained because mm-hmm. we also have to mention, yes, she did get taken out by Bailey. But if you remember, Oscar walked out of her title match with Sasha Banks that led to her winning the title because uh, she wanted to save Kyrie. <laughs> like she basically threw her title reign title away to save her. There needs to be some kind of, I don't know what, Maybe they all unite together, like they bring Asuka in and they're a three-pair team. Maybe they turn on Asuka and beat the hell out of her, and she's a part of it, uh, you know, and you could see that. But there needs to be some kind of angle with Asuka on SmackDown that explains Kyrie and why she – why didn't she come back to help her friend in the company that we saw at the time? Obviously, Kyrie and Io have a lot of history, but I do think that needs to be rectified immediately, like pretty much. Is Asuka on the same brand as Io? Yeah, they're all the same. Okay. Okay. But I think 
it's a real shot in the arm for SmackDown. The women's scene has not exactly been, uh, you know, lighting the world on fire lately. I think they're just really, you know, EO, like I said, that thing in Puerto Rico, that's, that match was so big. If you could go back in time, you wish that she had just won it there. And I think she would have been a lot better. But I have to say, this title reign is not exactly knocking me dead, to be honest with you. I, I think that they have some work to do. <laughs> and this is a good step forward, as you mentioned. And we'll see how it goes. Hopefully they have something big for Kyrie in the future uh, as well. I think she's a championship-level player. We'll see what they do, how they play their cards going forward. But as for the match, I thought it was pretty good. I didn't think it was too special, uh, to be honest with you. Again, especially compared to their other match, which was a legitimately great match. Uh, I had this at three stars, to be honest. Maybe I'm being a, a little bit of a hater here. Mamma won't like that because she loves Bianca. She hates EO, but she loves Bianca. Um, they play a video package instead of the next match. Cody Rhodes, Damian Priest. Uh, this was a good match. Don't get me wrong, but you b- brought up uh, narrative progression. This had none of it, uh, pretty much. It was a fine, totally acceptable, like good match that the crowd was up for with Cody because they treated him like a huge star. But what was the point of this match, really? Nothing was on the line. He already had the briefcase stolen. Who cares? Like, that was kind of my whole thought about this whole match. What about you? Yeah, um, after Io and Bianca, we kind of arrive at the point of the pay-per-view where it's like, let's get our shit in, right? In the sense of, dude, Cody Rhodes and Damian Priest is like, what, Battle of the Crossroads? Like, Also, Damian Priest, I I just have to call it out. Like, dude, when he crossroaded, or what is it? I can't even remember what his version's called. But um, The Reckoning. The Reckoning. He hit it on the announcer's table. And Cody just lands on top of Priest. Like, Cody does not hit the table. And so Priest just essentially hits the move and takes the entire fucking bump. And it's one of those things where I'm like, I just don't care for this, man. Because Cody's selling it. And, um, yeah, like, the the purpose of this match is really, like, we got to get Cody on the show and make him look good. This is like your John Cena and fucking, uh, you know, Lord Tensai match, which is like... You know, Priest exists to put Cody over, right? Even as your men's money in the bank champion. You're you're one like perennial fucking world challenger is just the biggest geek. Um yeah, I, I, again, like I can't say this did anything for me. I think that this is one of those matches where it's for the live audience, it's for the hardcore WWE fans, Cody's your guy, and I am not someone that really cares for Cody. Um so yeah, not my not my thing. For a rookie, he was spectacular in this match. <laughs> I will say uh, more on that <laughs> in, a, in a little while. Uh, I, gave, I gave this two and three quarters. Well, what about you? I gave this one a two. And I think like with some of these ratings, I'm a little bit harsher because like for this and the Cena one, again, it's more of like, what is the purpose Right. Like, I understand. I guess I shouldn't say with the Cena one. The Cena one. Yeah, that had a purpose. Yeah, yeah, that had a purpose. It just ruined my life. But with the the, the and the priest one and even Roman Reigns and L.A. Knight. Yeah, L.A. Knight's over. But it's like, man, 
you don't there's nothing for me to believe in there's nothing for me to invest into i know la Knight's not going to win because they said roman's fucking next challenge is at rumble right we know la Knight's not going to beat this guy six months out from mania like are you kidding me and so again it's like they've booked them and and it it's like i watch the roman matches now not for the matches but my interest lies in how are they going to fuck the challenger out of the win right exactly and that's and why here, this main event was such a fail oh my god that match so sucked. Dumb. I didn't like the main event at all. Dude, no, LA Knight, I think if you like if you had a Pokemon evolution of like Cody Rhodes could wrestle, right? John Cena can wrestle and he does it in the WWE style. LA Knight, this guy cannot fucking wrestle, and he is the worst example of WWE style where I'm like, dude, like this guy is just yoked out Miz. Like, holy That's shit. That's pretty much it. Like this, like he really is like theory with charisma yeah. <laughs> pretty much. Like he's over. I'll give him that. He got over by saying, yeah, a lot. Oh, and I think dude, like that is no disrespect whatsoever. I've chanted some real dumb shit in my life, but that when I hear the whole crowd go, yeah, it's like my brain's like, it's just like the fall of the Roman empire. It's like one of those like markers in in history where I'm like we're doomed. Like everyone just feels. What you're saying is Solo and Cena ruined your life, but L.A. Knight has ruined all of mankind and civilization. Yeah, he's like the harbinger of the apocalypse. Like him getting yeah over, (laughs) and like and people be like, well, what about yes? I'm like, yes is like this positive. We're moving our hands. We're doing all this. Yeah, It, it dude, it just sounds so dumb. It sounds so dumb to me, and um, yeah, if you want to talk about two people who I would never like to see in the ring again, <laughs> Roman Reigns and his three moves versus L.A. Knight and whatever it is his he attempts to do. His three moves and his ten minutes of jibber-jabber that he puts in all of his <laughs> matches. And not even ten, more like twenty minutes in some of these. Uh, and like you said, the ending was so contrived, we knew what was going to happen. You know, I feel like right now talking to you, everybody knows I'm a big fan of Mass Effect. I feel like, you know, the world's become indoctrinated. You're calling on the Reapers to end society all because of L.A. Knight. And, <laughs> and I think that it's hard to argue with your points that you made. But I just know that this match sucked. Uh, whatever it says about humanity, the fans, me... I just know I didn't like seeing this match very much. And like you said, LA Knight, very limited in the ring. The crowd did get into it, and he hung in there. I'll give it to him. But damn, man. Roman Reigns, can can you do anything different? This is How many times have we seen this almost exact match just with considerably worse people (laughs) as time goes along? Yep, LA Knight is like if QT Marshall got big or some shit, dude. I'm just like he he is super over, but that does not mean anything to me. Again, like it, it's just. Could you I say QT Marshall as a main event player at AEW? No, unless he starts yelling. Yeah. <laughs> Could you? What about MJF? Okay, I guess I guess I should say like LA Knight has the same kind of like. Like, when I think of, like, I'm just like, who cares, dude? Honestly, like, death, taxes, and wrestle update not liking a Roman Reigns title defense. For real. (laughs) (laughs) Well, when he loses, we might like it. I better be like, finally, this this crap's over with. Um, 
I felt like I gained nothing from this match. I feel like LA Knight didn't gain a lot. Getting in the main event may have meant something, but I don't feel like he's significantly in a better spot now than he was at the start of the match. No, and, you know, it's the whole time the story was Roman Reigns is champion for 20,000 days, and this is LA Knight's first ever world title shot. Yeah, he's won titles in other companies, but it's a different thing when you're on this level in the WWE. Like, blah, 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 blah. And, okay, cool. So he lost his first title shot. He is, again, like he is the most generic guy where I think that you can really – he he succeeds when he is up against the other sports entertainers, right? But yeah. I think right now you have your Seth Rollins. You have your Gunther. Like you could probably put him against Logan Paul because I think the personalities will align so Yeah, I think that would work. But, I was thinking of that too. But I just – I don't see who the fuck you could put Knight against outside of these like Cena's and Bloodline and these things because he's so cartoonish. And I'm like he's not a work rate guy. Like he doesn't fit into a lot of other storylines that simply. So remember, remember when he was in TNA, he was the namer of dummies. He needs to go back to that, I think. Eli Drake. <laughs> But uh, no, the match wasn't good. What was your star rating for for the main event? Oh, I gave it a one and a half. I gave 20 it, minutes. Yeah, I gave, I gave it one. <laughs> I, <laughs> I this, nice. See, so I, I went lower on a couple of matches than you, but especially this one. I really don't have any positives about it, to be honest. Neither of them looked particularly good. The crowd was all right. And the finish was just totally lame and uninteresting. The whole match was just – that's how I would describe it, completely uninteresting. And kind of this whole show, like you said, we got one good moment really uh, with the Kyrie return. And the Seth and Drew match is worth watching. That's a recommended match. Uh, it got high ratings. And even the inmates – I mean I always say with the, the cage match ratings – I think people misread them sometimes because you have to remember the people who care enough to vote on a website like this and sign up and write a comment are people that are fans. Like they didn't just come here because they hate everything like they're actually fans. So they're obviously going to be a little bit higher, um, you know, in terms of the overall scheme of things. But here. No other match got above a seven. Like it was 7.99 for Seth and Drew, like basically a four-star match, which is a little higher than we gave it, but pretty much on the same level. Um, you know, a fair rating, I would argue. Everything else was 6.02, 5.23, 6.94, 6.38, 6.25, 6.63. These are all three-star matches, like pretty much. And maybe we just were less interested in, in them, and it made us like them less, uh, pretty much. And yeah, I can't. I can't give this show a big, great grade. This is like a five out of ten show to me. Yeah, this was definitely skippable. Good for them for yeah. making fifty million dollars off. <laughs> yeah, a bad show this. that they made a, so much money off of. That's insane, man. That is so crazy. And um, so yeah, this main event time. That's right. We have to get <laughs> to the main event right now. <laughs> the show itself was what it was. But the now real we get crown to the jewel show. of the episode. That's right. Hey, did you see – did you like the big diamond thing they had above the ring at this crazy-ass stadium they were at? Dude, I, did, I don't even remember that. It's yeah, like, it's like – <laughs> the set was like really extravagant. It was purple. There was this green diamond hanging over the ring. 
uh, kid, my grandpa, he watches these shows with me. <laughs> he claimed that it was a video. Like it wasn't a real green diamond or a real emerald. I, I can't say for sure, but he may be onto something there. Oh, but, like just a bunch of screens. It looked like a, a cool thing, though. It looked like a big emerald. So I'm all for it. Cool. And uh, bring you back to the days of Pokemon Emerald as well. I was just about to say, my, my, uh, I might play some Platinum tonight now. Always a good choice. Cynthia is best girl ever in the world. <laughs> uh, so we will always, uh, always support Pokemon Platinum love on this show. And we will always support Cynthia. But let's see what happens here. You got the first pick in the draft, and I think you should start it off with your show here. Let's go down the line here, and let's see what my uh, thoughts are on it. Okay. So just whole show. Just That's right. one by one? All yeah, right. exactly. So welcome to Sicko Pros, Down with the Sickness. It's our... Ooh, okay. <laughs> yeah. This is our end-of-the-year uh, pay-per-view you know, this is our Grand Voyage. This is our Wrestle Kingdom, our Bloody Christmas. It's down with the sickness. So in the first match, it is an elimination chamber to kick it off. I figured what it's always fun when you drop the cage on top of the ring first thing. So okay. let's really give these people a sick show to kick it off with. So in this elimination chamber, it is the number one contenders match for the Queen of Sickness world title. So it is Billy Starks versus Becca versus Rosemary versus Sky Blue versus Layla Hirsch versus Sexy Star 2. You're really putting Sky Blue with the chamber? I don't have anyone else. <laughs> no, you say it that way, I have to approve of, of this. Uh, I like your new way of thinking. I love the Elimination Chamber concept. I thought about having it on my own show, but I'm glad that you brought it out on yours. And with the women, you give them a big spot off to start with. You're probably going to have a longer match here, so we have to hope that they deliver some big action. Who are you putting over that match? You know, you 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 run this company. You call the shots. We've established that you are an evil promoter based on our last episode. Oh, you refuse right. to, to pay for health care <laughs> or any of that stuff. People were getting injured, whether they like it or not. Exactly. No remorse in Sicko Pro. You have to be a sicko to work in Sicko Pro. That's the number one rule. Yeah. Uh, so who, who would go over? Who's the one you're giving the spotlight to? But is it Sicko Pro is the sponsor promotion of Crime Update. So uh, yes, absolutely. <laughs> yes, our, our spinoff show. Yes. Um, okay, yeah. So first, in terms of length, obviously, this is going to be a long show. I'm just going to go ahead and say it. This is basically Big Egg. Uh, Big Egg Universe 2, or whatever that eight-hour show yes, was. Yes, it was a million hours, but a legendary show nonetheless. So in this one, I have Sky Blue getting eliminated first, then Rosemary, then Layla Hirsch, then Sexy Star 2. It comes down to Billy Starks, who's the first one in, and Becca, and Billy Starks goes over in the end. I think you made the right call there. <laughs> I think Starks has the most star power. You could build her up to a big championship run in the future uh, once she gets a, a little bit more experienced there but I, I like the cut of your jib i think it's the big spot will somebody do a dive off the chamber or something like that yes sky blue she gets the big spot so 
You know, you know what you're doing. Once again, you want all of the gifs on social media, and you bring in your audience that you have targeted like an expert in that particular kind of fan. So I give you a lot of respect. Thank you. Um, so following that up, match number two is a two out of three falls match because why not follow up the elimination chamber with a two out of three falls? And this one is going to be for the Sicko TV title. It's the champion, Chris Saban, defending against Carmelo Hayes. Ooh, okay. I, I really like this match. Uh, two guys with great chemistry on paper. I mentioned it in the last episode. Saban was a huge inspiration to me as a wrestler, uh, along with both of the machine guns, but especially him. Uh, I think you've got good uh, swag with both guys, too. They have a really good confidence to them, how they wrestle, which I really enjoy. And I think they would really tear it up together. Uh, who do you have taking the, the taking the belt here? I'm gonna have Hayes take it. You know, Saban's been champion for a year to the date at this point. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I'm gonna have Hayes. He's gonna take the title. This will be his first big run in the company. You booked yourself a year in the future. <laughs> yeah, no. Well, a year ago, Saban won the title, oh, right? Okay, yep, okay, yep. okay, okay. So yeah, Carmelo gets the spot here. Okay, I like it. He is him. <laughs> yeah. And um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm excited for his future. I really believe in him. And then I can move Saban back into the world title program as well. So this is followed up by our first tag match, which is actually the tournament final finals for the Angels of Death tag team tournament. So. The finals are MK Ultra, the team of Killer Kelly and Masha Slamovich versus Sawyer Wreck and Rena Yamashita. Got MK Ultra going over. They are the 2027 Angels of Death. This is this is a futuristic promotion as well. So, yeah. And then, yeah, I don't know. I I don't know if this is a death match or not. It could be. It probably is. I think it's more yeah. fun that way. Especially and, with uh, you know with Rena there. Yeah. I feel like and it's called Angels of Death. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, you're not going to skimp out on that. Uh, on the Eastern Lariat uh, Instagram page, we discussed, or I discussed, uh, Rena's debut, which happened just one day ago, uh, 10 years ago, uh, her very first match in wrestling. That's and awesome. look, look what cool stuff she's done since. And yeah, who, who do you have going over here? So here I did have MK Ultra go over. I'm really into Killer Kelly and Masha Slamovich. And I think that there's more money and Rena chasing this with Sawyer Wreck than, uh, you know, I think Masha and Kelly are such good heels. They're dicks. They can play it really well. I think this is a, a rivalry that we can start here. Okay. I like the cut of your jib on that one again. <laughs> I think that's the best way to use Sawyer. Uh, she's still a little bit, uh, you know, not on the level of Arena, in my opinion, or Killer Kelly, Masha. So to put her into a death match, I think, you know, hides some of any weaknesses and brings the best out of Arena at the same time. And then you put over a new team with MK Ultra. So all of this I like. Uh, what's next on, on your card so far? Next up, we have the Yuma Anzai seven match challenge series. Match number seven, the final one. And it's Yuma Anzai versus Speedball Mike Bailey. Okay. Any any Anzai singles match was automatically going to get my interest, no matter who you put in there. 
but this is a really good one. One of the most well-respected wrestlers in the world, uh, a true non-binary king in this wrestling ring. So shout out to Mike Bailey. Anzai is like one of my favorites, so that would be a badass match. Yeah, I was like, originally I had it as Orange Cassidy versus Anzai, so I actually flipped these right okay. before we started. An 11th um, hour change on this. An Instagram. 11th hour change, Vince McMahon style. I'm cutting up the script, you know, which uh, it takes us into our next one. We get Bailey winning here, by the way. Anzai goes 0-7, but he's positioned to be a future world champ. Speaking of world champs, next up, Fatal 4-Way, King of Sickness, number one contenders match. And it's Sami Zayn versus Orange Cassidy versus Kofi Kingston versus Kaneske Takeshita. Oh, man. How how did you book this? Like, what what, what was your out for this? Because you got a lot of guys you don't want to lose. Yeah, and um, I don't know. To me, like, I can. I'm not booking Takeshita like AEW here. He's not a invincible under Don Callis for whatever reason. I honestly think that I would have Takeshita drop the pin here. To Orange Cassidy, and we'll get into that later, but oh. I want to monopolize on a few that I don't think has really been able to hit its peak yet. Um, and then again, I think Kingston, Takeshton, Zane work anywhere on the card as well. Yeah. And then, you know, they fit in here. And I totally understand the criticisms of drafting a Kofi Kingston. You know, nowadays he doesn't quite have that same alert, but I think with the uh, with the lack of a new day, Right, we we can focus on some new character changes. Absolutely, like I said, we are not WWE creative team members right now. Uh, but still, though, uh, Takeshita takes the fall, and you set up uh, Cassidy for some big things uh, that you want to talk about later. You've got some kind of swerve up your sleeve here, so <laughs> I'm sensing something uh, in your mind here later. But let's continue down the card and get to it when we can. What's the next match? Next match is my it's essentially my future of stardom title. So it's called the illest future title. And this one, we have the champion Jade Cargill defending against the challenger. Miyu Watanabe. Okay. Okay. Jade and and Watanabe. Okay. Uh, I think that's a good use of it's interesting because Jade to me is such a like her star power level. (laughs) so high uh her in-ring work didn't really light the world on fire at aew but against the watanabe i think she's kind of the best kind of pick to get that out of her because we've seen what miyu could do at tjpw against maybe lesser talented people as well so i think with those two and the power that you know what i think if i were booking the match i'm not going to judge your (laughs) i'm not going to try and control your show or anything (laughs) but i would have watanabe hit the big swing on jade in there and show her power off that Shay, you may be jacked, but I've got power too. And I, I think that would be a lot of fun. So this would pretty much, so what I'm really excited about Jade is she's actually coming back from her excursion here. She oh. spent the past six months in big Japan wrestling, big Japan <laughs> for wrestling. Yeah. So the uh, training under Daisuke Sakamoto, Yuji Okabayashi, um, so this is actually a pretty intense it's just trading forearms and chops and slams and then it actually ends with um watanabe hitting the giant swing on jade and she taps out to the giant swing <laughs> okay the tap out to the swing here 
creative yep. booking. Nobody could deny, deny that. And I do love Watanabe going over and winning this. She brings home the strap. I'm very happy for her. I think that this is going to be an ill future indeed. And then, so our, our next title is the sick coping weight title. So this is for anyone in the company. And this is our GCW style scramble. So we've got the champion, Ray Phoenix, defending against Shotzi Blackheart, Sonny Kiss, Dakota Kai, Ricky Starks, and Candice LeRae. Okay, now you've got another women's match on the card. I like this. What was your feeling when you booked this? Dude, it's just chairs set up everywhere outside the ring, and everyone's getting hurt. Just so hurt. Everyone's taking crazy bumps. Like someone's you watching this. You want to injure this. your own wrestlers? No, no, no. There's no such thing as an injury in Sicko Pro because everyone works no matter what, injured or not. <laughs> right? So there's no such thing okay. as an injury, really. You're just able. We'll just say that. Okay. You're just you're ready. You're ready to go. Um, so everyone gets really hurt, but they're ready to go. Uh, no, this is like. Uh, GCW Hammerstein Ballroom. Someone goes to flip off a ladder and the ladder falls and they bounce off the other one. And it's a total car crash, but you love it. You love it, you know? We got Dakota Kai, uh, you know, coming off her feud with Tegan Knox. We've got Ricky Starks after doing the, the what was it, the dog collar or the bull rope with Danielson. We've got Phoenix after his feud with Young Bucks. It's like everyone just going to, to their 11th. You know, Shotzi versus God. What was her name? Brandy Lauren in Evolve. Remember that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Candice. I've seen Sonny do some hardcore stuff with Joey. Like, I think all of these people can really tap into that really crazy unhinged side. And that's sort of why I like this one. It's it's like a playground for chaos. Okay. I, I enjoyed this. I You have a... You... Listen, your show is the definition of sicko pro. You are living up to your gimmick. And who goes over this match? (laughs) Thank you. Well, if you like that, you're going to love the next one. This one is a grudge match. This has been a year in the making. And it is knockout or submission only Jody Threat versus Athena. Okay, now this is my style of match. Yeah. I just, I had to. I was like, man, this this is your Katsuyuki Fujita versus Keno for the national title match. It starts off with a stare down, and then they just start punting each other in the head pretty much, you know? Will we see a shoot headbutt in this match? That's how it opens. CFOs is going to love this. That's my guy. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, we got some other people, too. Shoot headbutt lover. Is yep. a user and cage match too, so we we've got a faction brewing of shoot headbutt respectors, and you appeal to them. Yeah, genius booking on your part. Athena actually comes out into her wearing her brand new CT Athena shirt. So oh. <laughs> it's, legendary uh, it's a, move. Yeah, it's pretty fucking cool. And uh, to keep up that energy, uh, Jody Threat wins. By the way, to keep up that energy. We're actually doing the Sicko World Tag Team Titles, and it's titles versus career, no holds barred. Oh. The team of Dominic Garini and Kevin Koo, the champions, violence is forever, versus PCO and Rhino putting their careers on the line. Oh, no. <laughs> Not PCO. 
PCO. And I think, well, who wins? Do they save their careers or is it all over? No, Violence is Forever is going to retire them. So I actually need to draft two new people next time. Okay, we, we will definitely do another draft in the future, <laughs> I promise. And you are under no obligation to redraft Rhino or PCO. They will be retired in the Sicko Pro universe. And Violence is Forever stands tall. They come back as OCP and like Ram. That was a shitty joke. I'm not even going to pretend that was Aww. funny. I messed that one up. Uh, I messed that one up, uh, too. <laughs> um, we, we all forgive you, but what's next on the card? Um, the, the, ne- <laughs> the next match is the High Fever title. This is like my strong style, right? Okay. Um, so this is the champion, Jordan Grace, who ultimately defeats the challenger, Venny. That that match would slap. Yep. This is like I would say that, you know, with the like if there's three matches that are probably the hardest hitting on the show, it's going to be Athena Jody Threat, Jordan Grace and Venny, and then our world title match with the men. I love it. So yeah, that one's a pretty fun one. And then we go into the Sicka World tag tournament finals so this is also your next number one contender and this one i'm pretty excited it's sort of an international dream match it's the team of Ilya dragunov and shinsuke nakamura versus shun skywalker and hiromu takahashi this is it i mean these were your number one picks (laughs) shun and hiromu you want them in your best possible way you can use them and now you use them here in a great match, I think. Yeah, Shun and Hiromu, they go over. And then oh. it actually starts a pretty long feud between the teams. We're getting singles matches. Ilya versus Shun and Hiromu. Shinsuke versus both of them, right? We're swapping everything. It's going crazy. It ends with Ilya and Shinsuke going over. But, you know, those Hiromu and Shun guys, I got a bright future ahead of them. <laughs> yeah, Absolutely. Uh, very, yeah, very bright future for these youngsters, <laughs> especially Hiromu, uh, for sure. All right, final three. This is our last three matches. Where oh, we're, we're getting to the meat of the card here. <laughs> yeah, we're getting into the meat of the card 13 matches in. So <laughs> rather than the world deathmatch title, we're going with the underworld infinite death title. This is a international five-way Deathmatch. We have the champion, cruel, undefeated, seven foot one, never grimaces, no signs of pain. We don't even know if this guy's fucking human. Defending against Casey Kirk, the top women's deathmatch wrestler in America, El Desperado, Hoodfoot, and the future ace, Suzu Suzuki. Oh, this is deathmatch headquarters you, you started. Yep. And so I'm actually Casey Kirk wins this. I'm not going to lie. She wins it. And that's what sets us up for a really, really impressive and title defining run. Cause at this point, Hoodfoot was the inaugural champ. He lost it to cruel. It's been, you know, very masculine dominated. And now we're going to see Casey versus Suzu Casey versus Candace Casey versus Rena Sawyer, Masha Kelly. You know, this is going to become really dominated by the women's deathmatch scene and and i'm excited for that 
Listen, I wish you, this shit existed, man. I'm getting hyped. I'm going to go play WWE Universe mode after this. <laughs> uh, that's what you need to do. Put all of them in there. You can find a lot of great, talented you know, creators on the community creations in 2K. So put them all in there. Uh, shout out to Casey Kirk, too. You were a big fan of hers and put her over well uh, on, on the last show. Uh, you're doing big things already. I'm not going to lie. I don't, I don't know if anyone here has IWTV. If you do... The there's have you seen the Life of series, Dylan? Yeah. So those are like my favorite. It's total Gonzo filmmaking. You're giving a wrestler a GoPro, and they are you know so pretty much everything is one long take, right? Which is my shit. I'm a bazit, uh, Andre Bazan durational theory. That's my jam, right? Yeah. Casey Kirk does like a seven minute monologue while she's in this Australian dive bar bathroom after wrestling two death matches in a day and she is so beat to shit and she is like on the verge of tears she's like i cut my artery today in my wrist it was really bad they taped me up i wrestled again and she's like i want to make people proud i want to make death match proud i want to do this for fit and like dude it's like a lars von Trier movie do- monologue it's fucking amazing she has the heart that every wrestler needs, in my opinion. Big Casey Kirk fan over here. Yeah, absolutely. She's one of the the best talents you could have picked from the indie scene among the women. And um, thank you. So we're going to go into the last two now. Yeah. I went back and forth on this a lot, but sticking to the WrestleMania 36 template, the co-main event, the King of Sickness World Championship. The champion, John Moxley. Versus the challenger, Go Shiyazaki. John Moxley retains, leading to him versus Orange Cassidy at the pay-per-view for the world title. Clearly a guest booker spot from Tony Khan based on his shows that he runs. Uh, consider they also will build to John Moxley at OC. <laughs> based off this promotion, you think I booked the whole thing with Tony Khan at like 3 a.m.? You know, just like hey, hotel Tony, penthouse. <laughs> Tony, please DM our account uh, if you're listening on Twitter. Uh, let us know who you think had the better card, and if you want Nello to help you book anymore, because I know you would love to do that. I love booking. I would love to. I was actually, I was like, you know, after the dev cycle I'm on right now, a dream of mine would be to write a WWE like career mode one day. Uh, I was playing the new one, and like one of the parts is on social media. This guy tweets at you, and his name is Andrew the Giant. And since my guy's like a dumb meathead, I tweet back. I'm like, "I'll oh, whoop your ass, Andre. I don't care if you're old or not." And then my PR lady's like, "Hey, that wasn't Andre the Giant." And I'm like, "Whatever." And then that it was night, <laughs> right? That night I have a dream where I fight Andre, and that's how you unlock him. I'm like, "That's so fun." That like, is. It's just. It's really cool. That's good. I, I like that a lot. You go that, to uh, oh, yeah. Sorry. That wasn't even your main event though. You've got one more match left. Nope, I got one more match left, and it is the Queen of Sickness World Championship in a triple threat that's been built over the past year. The champion Bianca Belair defending against Trisha Dora and Hikaru Shida. You you've put the women on top, and you have put a great match together. All three of those women are completely awesome. Bianca especially is a superstar level talent. Could definitely see her carrying any women's division, period. But who do you have closing out the show? 
God forgive me. Trisha Dora pins Hikaru Shida. I'm sorry, Shida. You've jobbed out Shida in the main event. I've jobbed out Shida in the main event. And you know what's worse is this takes place at Wembley, and at halftime, I have Emi Sakura do backup vocals for Soraya, who's dressed as Freddie Mercury. Well, Tony I'm a horrible Khan promoter. <laughs> well, wrong answer because I would not alone. I have Emi Sakura in Xander control, so I would refuse to allow that to happen. Uh, I, I pulled a Booker power play to prevent that from happening, thankfully. Your trap card? Well, yeah, that's that's uh, down with the sickness. So let's hear it. Let's hear the Zanarkin show. I cannot wait. Absolutely. Down with the sickness sounds like a complete spectacle. Trisha Dora coming out on top of the main event. Fireworks going off. Wembley Stadium. Unbelievable show you put together. Thanks. So since since I'm on my Seto Kaiba arc with this company, I've activated my trap card and bought my way into Madison Square Garden to fuck with the WWE, pretty much. <laughs> I thought you owned MSG until Xanarkin Pro Wrestling showed up. So, Xanarkin Pro Wrestling, this is our story, which is very, you know, if you played Final Fantasy X, you know what I'm talking about here. Uh, that's the name of our show, our debut show here. All new people, I, I haven't booked ahead no one has any history. <laughs> this is our first show. And who do I want to come out at the start? The first person I want the fans to see, the opening match, May Sarah. The obvious choice for the ZPW high speed title here. She will take on Danny Luna from TNA, also known as Impact as well. Another young wrestler, battle of young talents here. I wanted to put them together to have a really good high-speed match. High-speed titles. Oh, sorry. Of course, Maysera will get the win to be the first-ever high-speed champion. Dude, hell yeah. I I like that you are doing it as the first show. I should have done that. Um, But high-speed title matches – brilliant way to open up any show i actually do like these mixtapes parties with friends where you know i cut together a bunch of old matches and i usually open each show with a high speed title match um i think it really draws in fans like especially you know for the person who because you know someone got dragged there by their husband or their wife they don't really like wrestling and now they're gonna see danny luna versus may sarah sarah and it's like holy shit you know they you've just converted them into new fans so i love this i i'm I'm glad i impressed you hopefully the people like it as well this new york crowd hopefully they can get behind it (laughs) (laughs) two youngsters doing high-speed wrestling very quick match. I didn't have as many matches as you on my show. I only had 12, but still, I wanted to keep this short and sweet. Six, seven minutes, hot opener, new champion, crown, very good deal. Lots of fireworks, confetti all over the place. It's crazy. The second match, and again, there's certain people you want them in the main event, and then there's certain people you need to, to go in the early portions of the show And I think when you think of someone like that, you definitely want Cody Rhodes, my rookie pick, coming out here. His Uh, Young Lion Contender Series. That's right. (laughs) And I said, what can I do with Cody on this show? And I said, I've got the perfect opponent, the perfect kind of match he needs to be in. 
So I put him and I teamed him up with his own personal uh, fellow rookie, Takeshi Masada. Cody Rhodes is now his mentor. And they took over the team. They took on the team here of Matt Cardona and Santana Jackson. And so the way I booked this out. (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm (laughs) sorry. This is the most high fucking stoned. <laughs> this is like Brett Lauderdale on Ambient at Spring Break right now. Cody Rhodes and Takeshi Masada versus Santana Jackson and Matt Cardona. If That's I could give exactly. you a kiss on the forehead right now, Dylan, I absolutely would. This is brilliant. I'm, please continue. I can't wait to hear more. I have never done drugs in my life, but you did make me blush a little bit with that. And I earned it with this Santana Jackson move. And the way I booked this match out is this whole time building up to the huge ZPW debut show. Matt Cardona would be going crazy on Twitter. He would be putting over Santana Jackson, talking about like him, like he was the real Michael Jackson, just as famous, just as skilled, talking about it like it's the greatest thing ever. And during this match, Cardona would lose it. Ed Santana would turn on Matt Cardona, Cardona in the match here. All alone, it turns into a three-on-one beatdown. And in the end, Takeshi Masada scores the pinfall over Matt Cardona with the frog splash. After uh, a big move, a kick from Santana, a crossroads from Cody, and then the frog splash from Masada, pinning Cardona. And then they all collectively moonwalk together out of the ring and dance. So what do you think of this faction? Masada, Cody, and Santana. I mean, I think this is the best use of Cody Rhodes. I think this is the story he was always supposed to tell. (laughs) This is the real story here. Like, now you are teaming with a Michael Jackson impersonator. Congratulations. Honestly, Cody Rhodes, if you're going to have to replace Masada's Chris Brooks with someone, why not do it with Cody, you know? Chris Brooks, in a way, almost feels like the third evolution of a Cody Rhodes, you know? Okay. I like the way you're thinking here. A little bit taller. True. More mature. More well-rounded, right? Doesn't wear the – what's his name? Commander from The Boys or whatever? Oh, yeah. Highlander. I can't fucking remember his name. Homelander. Homelander. Yeah. 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 Homelander. Um, That's amazing. I love this faction. Doesn't have a neck tattoo. Oh, Chris Brooks. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> he could. He could get one. Maybe one day he will. But so fun for the crowd. We got a high speed match, a fun match for the crowd. Lots of audience involvement. Cody, a big reaction. You put over Masada. Hopefully he can be a bigger star in the future for me. Uh, he would be having so much fucking fun. I could like this entire time you've been saying this match. I just picture Masada smiling so big. DDT screwed up by not bringing in Santana in there. They need to make this happen in reality. They can't get Cody, but they can't get Santana Jackson. My next match is a five-way match. Uh, we've got Sandra Mooney, Stephanie Baker, Janai Kai, Roxanne Perez, and Diamante. Latina on Latina violence match here. We've got Mexican style. We've got Cuban, Puerto Rican, Chilean, all different Latin American countries represented in this match. And in the end, I have Vaquer pinning Janai Kai. 
to get the win here. Great, great booking. I can like, this is a match where I'd really hope you play music the entire time, like New that Jack style, <laughs> like Three Six Mafia hit a motherfucker because this sounds yes. like they are going to beat the hell out of each other. That is awesome. I am all about this. Honestly, I think that with the five women that I put in my elimination chamber. Yeah. Um, it's definitely the result of like, these are my leftovers, you know, to yeah. for the lack of a better, uh, term, yeah. you've really put thought into this. And I think that the way you drafted shows a lot more intention. Um, I really love this pairing of the five. And then, like you said, this could be a banger. Uh, I would have Diamante do a wild stunt. Uh, Roxanne could do something as well, a big high flying move. Uh, you know, but then you could get Vaquera and Janakai firing at each other with big hits. Uh, Mooney would get put over as well as a younger talent. Uh, but in the end, she has to go back to subspace. Subspace sweetheart got to take the fall <laughs> for Vaquera here. So then from there, I have the ZPW Cruiserweight title. A triple threat match. Black Taurus, Leon Slater, and Mustafa Ali. My inspiration for this was on WrestleMania weekend. Everyone mentions the Vikingo versus Commander Ring of Honor match, but the far superior match took place at WrestleCon with Black Taurus uh, in, in the three-way. So I took inspiration from that and wanted to have a good base to let Slater and Ali do great things and in the end, Ali pins Slater. Man, bless you for not fucking having Torres take the pin. You are the anti-TNA booker right now, huh? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you don't, don't are... compare me to TNA. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is awesome. What a pairing. Like, I can totally see 2017 NXT-style match between a fucking Leon Slater, Mustafa Ali. I can see a 450 to the outside you know, um, Taurus has that absolutely imposing presence. You know, you have the opportunity for a lot of really great two-on-one moments with Ali and Slater having to team up. But then you set up some really great one-on-ones with Ali pinning Slater in the end. Um, you protect Taurus, who I think is someone who absolutely should be protected. Like, you can put him in hella one-up, like, or multi-man matches, but there's no reason he ever needs to take the pin. I think really focus on that in singles, but... Yeah, this is awesome. Was this for a title or anything, or just for the, the hell of the, it? The cruiserweight title. Cruiserweight title. Okay. Yeah, it's, and this is the inaugural, correct? That's right, Ali, my first ever cruiserweight champion, and a great representative. Wow. And so you have your like legal team as all these ninety days up. That's right. Nice. Let's do it. Let's go, Ali. Chapter two. Love that guy. Even if we had a TV show, I would use his character every week because I really like his promos. He's a very earnest guy. Dude, what? Where do you hope he lands up? Well, ideally, what would you? Where would you like to see him go if you had to pick one promotion? I think he would be honestly. I think the New Japan Juniors need a ton of freshening up, and I yeah. think he would be a great get because it's always the same guys. I mean, God bless Desperado at all, but him and Hiromu have wrestled so many times at Wrestle Kingdom. Like, let's get a new blood in there. Ali is the face of the juniors. I, I'm all for it. 
Ollie and Leo would be a great thing to run back. I'd really love oh, yeah, to see that. Match. Yeah. And then, um, Eagles? dude, <laughs> I think Desperado and Hiromu are also bored because they've spent the entire fucking year wrestling everywhere but yeah. New Japan. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So let's give Ali a run, go through the gauntlet. Uh, I, th- I think, though, in reality, I'm pretty sure he's going to go to AEW. Tony Khan loves his Chicago guys, you know. Yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong, too, but Tony and Ali are both Pakistani as well. Oh, yeah. Good point. I didn't even think about that. So, yeah. Ali definitely is. I, th- I think Tony Khan is as well. Uh, I don't want to say for sure, but I think he is. So next match, I've got my women's tag titles. A gauntlet he- match. Go on. Oh, no, I was just going to say he is real quick. Um, Let's hear it. I yes, just double-checked. Uh, shout-out to Tony Khan. Shout-out to Mustafa Ali. Shout-out to the Pakistanis. Uh, we love you guys out there. Uh, gauntlet match for the women's tag titles. I've got Gail Kim forming a team with Nicole Matthews. Oh, shit. And they take on the teams that I picked in the draft. First of all, Savannah Evans and uh, Giselle Shaw. We added for the TNA Alliance. For AEW, we got Emmy Sakura and Willow Nightingale. So she's not singing for you. She's coming in MSG to go for the tag titles here. We've got Mako Satomura and Wendy Chu, the natural tag team, of course. Everyone knows. Go together perfectly. <laughs> Vert Vixen and Hyun, both two spectacular young indie, indie, indie talents. And Arisa Nakajima and Shuri. So the way I book this is uh, we, we come in with a basically it's not a traditional gauntlet it's like a royal rumble but it's instead of throwing people over the ropes you have to enter the ring and and tag in so people come in and out all the time here this is my special zanarkin gauntlet here that we have here so the way the way i booked it is it starts off with bako sadamura and wendy chu are the first team out and they take on Evans and Shaw. And here they go at it and go at it. And then Wendy Chu gets the pin on Savannah Evans here. So Chu, who I passionately defended last week, I'm giving her the first fall in the match. Chu but Crew? The, that's right. Chu Crew is very in high demand right now. Uh, and I'm not high as I book this, I promise. Uh, we come in. And they last a long time. I want to give them a little time. I want Giselle to get her character over, get a little spotlight, maybe around seven or eight minutes. And that gives us time to bring in Arisa Nakajima and Shuri. They have a little brief going on here to tease it off where Sadamura goes against Shuri and Arisa. But that brings out Emi Sakura and Willow Nightingale. And at that point, Arisa, Sakura Nightingale have a good run, but it's very brief. Arisa Nakajima knocks out Emi Sakura to get revenge on someone that they wrestled together before 15 years ago. And Nakajima's gotten the one up on someone who was formerly above her in the Joshi scene. At that point, we bring in Hyun and Vert Vixen, and they have a good run here. Gail Kim and Nicole Matthews, I wanted them to work with everybody pretty much. Especially Gail, I wanted her to, to wrestle as many people as possible, but I had them be the third team eliminated when Hyan gets the pin over Nicole Matthews. I wanted to put over one of my younger stars, give Hyan the rub here, 
if you haven't seen her, her versus Julia was a great match from New Japan Strong uh, recently. So give her the win there. And that gets followed up by a heartfelt battle. And in the end, Sadamura hits a high and got the pin over Nicole Matthews. But Sadamura puts a stop to her. And Wendy Chu gets another pinfall. Chu gets back-to-back falls for her team to set up the final here. But in the end, there's only so much you could do. I built this to where Sadamura gets taken out by Nakajima and Shuri. She gets destroyed. And Chu comes in two-on-one, showing a lot of heart. She's gotten pinfalls. But in the end, just not enough heart. Shuri knocks her out with the Biako and gets the win. And Shuri and Arisa Nakajima, my first ever women's tag team champions. I love that you're putting over the new talent. But selfishly, I really wanted that Gail Kim and Nicole, Nicole Matthews versus Nakajima and Siri finals. But that's something you can totally work to as well. So, exactly. And they would have interactions in the match, just not a, a little bit of a tease. Oh, yeah, because they're all there. It's, it almost yeah. sounds like a like an Aztec warfare take on like yeah, a tag team much. match. That's really yeah. cool. Lucha Underground. Um, that's awesome. Yeah. I mean, just I, I, I really, really love the pairing of Gail Kim and Nicole Matthews. Those are like your two vets yeah. who I think could just put on clinic after clinic after clinic. And like with Nakajima, but like while Nakajima and Shuri still loom over the division as the final bosses. Exactly. They would face everybody and make all the younger talent better and then bring into some dream matches. Uh, it would be interesting where I would go with them. I can see a situation where, you know, two unlikely partners team up to fight them. But them as the tag team champions, like you said, they're the final bosses of my division. Uh, so very happy with them getting the win here. In a, a long match, I wanted to give time to it, make the tag team titles. I want everybody to know the women and the men are on equal footing here, uh, pretty much. And I wanted to give them a big spotlight. Up next, the men's tag title match isn't as extravagant as the women's, but uh, I gave them a little bit of time here just to have a good match between a bigger guy and a smaller team. I had Bishamon, Hiroki Goto, and Yoshihashi take on the team of ABC, Ace Austin, and Chris Bay. Hmm. I'd give Austin and Bay, I'd book it to where they take a lot of the match, hit a lot of really cool and innovative moves, but in the end, Bishamon would get the win uh, to get the team as a heavyweight team. Uh, but they would just come short. They'd show respect. And then afterwards, Bay and Austin would attack them with low blows to show that they will not go away uh, this easily. So ABC winds up hitting them in the D. That's right. <laughs> um, I honestly, when you said big guys versus smaller ones, I did not expect Yoshihashi to be one of the big guys. Um, He's but, bigger than ASOS. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It was just, I was thinking like, um, I was like, okay, so who were the Saito brothers facing? Um, I didn't draft them. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> You're like, I just went for the record to show I did yes. not draft the Saito bros. I wouldn't, um, I wouldn't be ashamed if I did, though, because they're cool. So let's talk about that right now. <laughs> um, I love Bishamon. I know how much you love them. They are a really, really good inaugural tag team. Uh, they remind me of like, uh, I mean, they're just workhorses, right? Yeah. They have, they're established. They have accolades. So it's like one of those things where, you know, when you give someone the inaugural title like that, you know, it means something from the get go. 
I look forward to seeing them versus Cody Rhodes and Masada oh <laughs> in their first defense. Yoshiashi pins Cody Rhodes. <laughs> we'll be where that goes. So I've gone away. All of my matches so far have been pretty straight up. Very wrestling based. And so now we're kind of at this halfway point, this intermission point, And I've come back with a death match to take a page out of Sicko Pro's playbook. Chris Statlander versus Kylan King. Oh, my God. There's going to be blood. There's going to be thumbtacks. Kylan's going to throw her off the stage through 10 tables. But in the end, Stat has to hit the Sunday Night Fever on Kylan King to get the win here in a bloody brawl. What do you think? So, you know, like each deathmatch wrestler has like their signature weapons. Sakuda has his skewers. Kasai and the Razors, uh, you know, um, just so I'm trying to think of who else like uh, Kogar and the Skewers, um, just everyone. Right. I would love to see Suzu has her bells. Right. So on that same bell wavelength, I could almost see Statlander like having little meteorites, like just straight up fucking like moon rocks, like actual stones and just power bombing kylan king on this power of moon or pile of moon rocks just be gnarly like like a g-shock match almost this is badass honestly chris statlander such a left field deathmatch participant but has done tons of great hardcore work for on the indies and beyond and stuff like that she's hard hitting as hell i truly believe that strong style wrestlers are the best for are the best to transfer over to deathmatch and I think that BJW really capitalizes on that, right? But, you know, it, it's that ability to work stiff, incorporate the the light tubes with that typical moveset, you know. I'm going to put the tube against your chest, chest and then chop it, right? Stuff like that. Um, Kylan King, very underrated, honestly has had some pretty good death matches. Yeah. Um, so I love it. I think that this is one of those real, like, left field choices. And you found a way to incorporate both wrestlers in a very meaningful way and did not expect. And King gets put over too just by doing this crazy stuff even in defeat. Uh with the Moon Rocks, we have to get Sandra Mooney facing Statlander at a later feud as well. Uh we will have to get there. But I wanted to add a little bit of a twist, had some more weapons into it, do some big things. So we move to the complete opposite of that with my next match. Tomohiro Ishii Versus Drew McIntyre, one-on-one. You know what kind of match this is. Drew (laughs) pins Ishii with the Claymore. I have to invest. Listen, I'm American. We have American-based promotion. I have to invest in the guy with the cool promo skills. And I'm a little biased because he has long hair. And uh, unfortunately, (laughs) Ishii is bald. If he had longer hair, maybe I'd put my man over. But I love the Stone Pitbull. Basically... For as long as this company exists, Ishii is my workhorse guy. Like, he could face anybody. Every pay-per-view, he will have a big match against somebody. He won't necessarily win a lot, but he will have great matches up and down the card. And I will show him respect. And these two are going to go at it. Epic 20-minute match here. Hard-hitting headbutts between both guys. Uh, he hits the Claymore, and Ishii pops up in a one-count and fires up. Drew can't believe it. 
Uh, and right when it looks like he's about to get the win with the vertical spike brainbuster, Drew pops out, hits the ropes, Claymore for the win. Yeah, I really want to see this match. Um, this match will be so fucking badass in, in real life. This would be I great. I, I don't have much else to say other than amazing booking, and I really hope we get this someday. I really wish that would happen. Maybe if Drew leaves, this <laughs> this has to be a match somebody puts together if Drew leaves WWE. So, real quick, to what where does this position Drew afterwards? He would be the number one contender. Okay. For the title here, that this wasn't a stipulation, but it was an unofficial number one contendership match. I put over that on commentary a lot. So we move into a women's match here, the ZPW South American title, Tiffany Stratton versus Jamie Hader here, trying to be the secondary champion of ZPW for the women. I wanted to give them their own belt here because it's so often with the men getting a secondary title. I wanted to give the women a chance here to kind of invert it a little bit. And here we got two great talents in Jamie and, and Tiffany. Uh, I would have Tiffany cut a promo at the start, use her charisma. Jamie, no nonsense, badass presence comes in. I feel like they have a great natural rivalry. You know, like the, the hot girl and like the badass girl is like a natural rivalry, I feel like. And not that Jamie's not hot, don't get me wrong. But she is a badass, first and foremost. And she would beat the, the crap out of Tiffany. Tiffany would show fire, just like she did against the Be- against Becky uh, in the um, their hardcore match. Uh, I want her to show a lot of heart and guts that you can't just take her seriously as a per- pretty face. You have to take her seriously as a wrestler. Uh, but in the end, I'll give Hater the big win uh, over Ooh. Tiffany, winning the South American Championship. I want her to be a cornerstone of my women's division. I love the South American title. That's very cool. And there's um, no South American titles either. We have the U.S. title, the North American title. Why can't we have the South American title? I've got Seth Vakir. Yeah. <laughs> no, and um, I think Vakir versus Hater is yeah. a money match. And you position Vakir for that. Um, totally agree in terms of having Hater as a cornerstone. Fuck, I hope she returns soon. And, Me too. Uh, I miss you, Hater. We love Jamie Hater on the show. Shout out, Jamie. Get better. And also, Chris Brooks, if you're listening, would you get the Punisher logo on your neck but with the UK uh, flag? We would love to know. Um, yeah, great match. Great match. I think that's an awesome uh, use of everyone. Really good to put Tiffany in that title match from the get-go. Make people know she's important, even though she's you know, younger, more of a rookie. Um, great pick. Thank you so much for that. <laughs> now we get to we get to my big three matches. Anarchy in the arena. Oh. Imperium. Gunther, Ludwig Kaiser, Giovanni Vinci, Timothy Thatcher, and Jonathan Gresham take on the Blackpool Combat Club here, where you've got Brian Danielson. In this, you've got – oh, shit, hold on. My things are getting messed up. Oh, here we go. All right, Brian Danielson <laughs> here, Claudio Castanoli, Wheeler, Utah, Josh Alexander, and Roosh has joined the Blackpool Combat Club for Anarchy the Arena. And this would be obviously an insane match. All hard-hitting matches, big suplexes, 
build up to a big showdown between Danielson and Gunther one-on-one. But in the end, neither man would take the fall. Roosh gets the pin over Giovanni Vinci after a big drop kick. And this would be a 30-minute match for sure, if not longer, maybe even 35. Want them doing everything they can. Everybody stands out. I want Kaiser to get a big moment because I'm a huge fan of his. Gresham at Thatcher can show some technical abilities <laughs> with people like Danielson, Utah, Claudio. See teamwork between the BCC and then Roosh proving his worth. Um, you know, there would be doubts. Will he? Will he just go insane? Will he fit with the BCC? Uh, Alexander fits like a glove, but Roosh was the wild card. But he stays true, and they all come together for a big uh, pose at the end. BCC stand talls in this bloody brawl of an anarchy and arena match. I love it. I, I'm just like picturing Thatcher giving a Fujiwara armbar in the concessions area. Yes. Um, I really enjoy the additions to the teams. Gresham fits in so well with Imperium. Alexander and Roosh, great additions for Blackpool. Um, I'm sorry for taking Moxley. This would have been a lot better. Damn, I feel really bad now. I like, I like broke up the family, you know. Um, I'm cool with Roosh. <laughs> Roosh is badass. I really like yeah. that you put him over. Um, I think there's a lot of long-term investment to be made with Roosh. One of the most underrated, like underpushed people in any company, in my opinion, is Roosh at AEW. He should be a top star. But thankfully, at Xanatican Pro, he will be. So I come in with the women's world title match. EO Sky versus Julia. Never wrestled before in Japan. A first time ever match. And of course, Julia takes takes the win here. And is my first ever women's world champion. She is the face of my company. Uh, One of the faces, uh, for sure. I have her getting the win here. What do you think? That's a dream match. Um, I think EO is, you know, the perfect person to have in the match losing against Julia. EO can take the loss, and she also has the star power and has been established enough to make Julia's win feel that much better. And, um, yeah, I mean, I'm very excited to see who your world champion is because I want to know who Julia's standing next to on that stage. In the main event, uh, this is our story. Xanarkin Pro Wrestling, Kento Miyahara versus Kenny Omega. (laughs) Who will be the first ever champion? The battle of the V-Trigger versus the Blackout Knee Strike. They come in. They have an epic match. Kento riles up the crowd. Omega, the crowd's going nuts for. And in the end, we see Kenny Omega hitting the one-winged angel from the middle rope to score the fall and become the first ever champion. I have to look out for the people. I have to look out for the fans. Kenny Omega gets the big win and is the first ever ZPW world champion. I think it's only fitting that Kenny Omega is the first world champion of the Final Fantasy inspired promotion. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, really I can see sense. that you know what I'm thinking of then. Yep. <laughs> then. Okay. Absolutely. Of course, um, he would come out with One Winged Angel as his, part of his theme music. Yeah. And then yes. I, I'm just picturing like that awesome moment where like they collide knees at yes, the end or something crazy. Oh, like I, I think it's it's the sign of like great booking when you can start to see the match in your head and what some of the potential big spots could see just when you say the names. Um, 
I love it. Like seeing Kenny and Julia sitting on the on the stage. Yep. Like those are two people you can absolutely build a company around. Yeah, my list of champions is pretty strong. For the women, Julia, Jamie Hayter, Shuri, and Arison Nakajima. For the men, Kenny Omega, Mustafa Ali, Hiroki Goto, and Yoshihashi. I mean, I, I'm really happy with this card overall and what I did with the roster. No, that's it's great. I this was so fun. I, I love fantasy booking. <laughs> we will absolutely one trillion percent do this again uh, in, in the future. Uh, that could be something we really lean into even more down the line when we have more stuff going on. But I love doing it for the first time. Both of our cards I thought were great and spectacular. Uh, you got to go to the Twitter page at Russell Update 23. Vote. I'm going to put this up to a poll. Who had the better card here? Ooh. So it's a little bit of a competition now. Uh, it's going to be interesting. What did we do with our our booking? We had different ideals, different ideas, and different strategies to make the best card possible. But both were a lot of fun. I apologize because I had to, you know, I had to pull a power move by keeping Emmy Sakura off the show because I needed her in the the Xanarkin Gauntlet match. So I couldn't give her up. I'm sorry. We'll work it out. We'll make a deal later on where. You know, Emmy could show up and do some Freddie Mercury stuff for you. I know that's what you want her for most. Uh, no one can blame you for that. <laughs> but with that said, tons of fun. I really enjoyed this whole show. And thank you for coming on, Nello. Uh, it was so fun. Uh, thank you. Anything you want to say to the people, the floor is yours. If you said a small amount, say it. If you got a lot to say, take as long as you need. Um. Oh, man. I watched uh, the Tournament of Death 20 finals this past week and it was like but it went here matches but see a car is one of the car crashes i've ever seen i think like three of the four essentially like are like legit just fucked up and they're like hurt like to get taken out and it's just one of those things where you're like wow this was ugly but it sure was fun um that and then you know what on the also long shot if you're going to be at the circle six king of the death match on december 30th in la hit me up i'll be there too i bought like i bought like half the fucking front row or we almost have an entire front row to ourselves mao's gonna be there pagano it'll be fucking cool nello goes hollywood yeah i'm coming back to la baby for circle six the most hollywood (laughs) promotion there ever could be uh, but yeah, uh, please follow us on Twitter, subscribe to the YouTube, like the videos, give us a nice review on Spotify or Apple or wherever you, you listen to us at. Uh, it would really help the show. We really appreciate it. Uh, let us know what you think of the cards. Have some fun. Uh, we really like as, as always, we really love all the listeners out there. Uh, thank you to all the wrestlers who wrestled this week, uh, you know, wherever you were at, whether it's Saudi Arabia, uh, in America, or the Indies. Japan, wherever you are, we all love you the same, and hopefully you guys enjoyed the show, and we will we will be back very soon. We've got big plans for the show coming up. It's going to be a good time for Wrestle Update in the near future. So, thank you guys so much for tuning in. Until next time, this has been your Wrestle Update.